السلام عليك يا أبا عبد الله السلام عليك يا ابن رسول الله السلام عليك يا خيرة الله وابن خيرته السلام عليك يا ابن أمير المؤمنين بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد وآله الطاهرين Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh and welcome to episode number 8 of Reflections on Ziyarat Ashura brought to you by Mizan Institute. وَجَلَّتْ وَعَظُمَتْ مُصِيبَتُكَ فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ عَلَى جَمِيعِ أَهْلِ السَّمَاوَاتِ In our last episode we covered the part of the ziyarat where it, it says that this musibah, this was a tragedy um, unbearable uh, for those for us and for all of those who adhere to Islam all of the Muslims all of the people of Islam Jami'i Ahlil Islam that line continues with what I just recited it continues with وَجَلَّتْ وَعَظُمَتْ مُصِيبَتُكَ فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ عَلَى جَمِيعِ أَهْلِ السَّمَاوَاتِ that O Imam Hussein your musibah wasn't just great and unbearable for those inhabitants of the earth that are people of Islam. It's more than that. It is great and unbearable in the skies and in the heavens upon those who inhabit and are inhabitants of this uh, of the heavens and skies. Ahlis samawat. Jami'a. All of the inhabitants of the heavens. So first things first, This, of course we believe that we are not the only beings out there who have life. Um, there are other realms of existence, the realm of the angels for example, that also exist, that have within them and contain within them inhabitants. So these will be referred to as Ahlus Samawat, the inhabitants of the heavens. But this is so cool because, it, you know, this is just something I'm going to say on the side. When there's so much more going on out there, a person really kind of looks forward to death. Of course, we don't like death. I personally won't like death, you know. But at the same time, it is you know that there's going to be some interesting things happening. So we just want to make sure we make it to Jannah, of course. And when we leave this dunya, we are in the good books of Allah, so to speak. But once you, inshallah, take care of that and ascertain that every day by following the commands and orders of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you kind of look forward to all the different things that you'll see and experience on the other side. The Ahl samawat that, for example, this ziyarah is referring to, um, you will meet them, you will see them, you'll ex the experiences that are out of this world. Uh, no pun intended, of course. Out of this world, after you've left this world. Alright, so that's one point here. That we, of course, we believe that there are inhabitants in the sky. There are things going on in the sky. Sky, not the physical sky, the heavens, so to speak. Um, Imam Ali, alayhi salam, in that famous line of his, he, you know, he says that I know what's going on out there. I know better what's going on out there than what's happening down here where all you people are. <laughs> سَلُونِي قَبْلَ أَن تَفْقِدُونِي فَإِنِّي وَاللَّهِ لَأَعْلَمُ بِطُرُقِ السَّمَوَاتِ مِنِّي بِطُرُقِ الْأَرْضِ 
that oh people ask me before you are deprived of me before you lose me why for verily by Allah I am more knowledgeable of the pathways of the heavens I'm more knowledgeable when it comes to the pathways of the heavens versus me in regards to the pathways of the earth. In other words, I know my way around better in the skies and in the heavens than on earth even. Well, this shows that there's a lot going on out there. And so when the when the excuse me, when the ziyarah it says that these inhabitants of the skies are even affected by this because look, who are we kidding? What happens in the heavens is much greater than what's going on here on earth in this, or let's not even say earth, but the material realm of existence. So why would they even care? You would think that, you know, the inhabitants of the heavens are so lofty. They're so high up there that they could care less about this lowly level of existence. But look at how great the tragedy is, according to this ziyarah, that it's affecting them. It's leaving its imprint there. And... um it's not like these the, the, the heavens are totally disconnected from what's happening here. If something is happening here, it affects there, especially if it's of this significance. All right, so what this line is illustrating for us is just how great a tragedy this was to the extent that it affects the heavens and the inhabitants of the heavens. I want to share a few hadiths here, have a, little, a couple of discussions, and then inshallah we will wrap up. The first hadith I want to share with you is by Aban bin Taghlib. This is in Kamil Ziyarat. It says that four things, it's, it's a very famous hadith actually. Four things, four thousand angels descended to fight alongside Hussein alayhi salam. But they weren't given permission to fight. So they returned to get permission, and by the time they returned, Imam Hussein had been martyred. So they cursed his killers and those who contributed and shared in his crime. So they remain with him while they are dusty and covered in dirt. They remain with Imam Hussein Their head is an angel, their leader, their head is an angel by the name of Mansur. No one visits the Imam salam, you know, for ziyarah, except that they welcome him. So brothers and sisters, when, according to this hadith, when we are going for ziyarah of Imam Hussein and inshallah Allah blesses us with that again and again in this life, you can't get enough ziyarah of Imam Hussein in this life. So when we go and visit and do ziyarah of Imam Hussein salam, it says that these angels are are welcoming this individual. No one visits the Imam salam except that they welcome him and no one leaves the Imam after visiting him except that they bid him farewell. And such a person doesn't get ill except that they visit him. And none of these people dies except that they pray over his dead body and do istighfar for him. They ask for forgiveness for him after his death, him or her. These angels are on the earth awaiting the final Imam salam. So if you know if any of us comes back from ziyarah of Imam Hussein salam, they shouldn't ask, oh, are our are our sins forgiven now? Because the answer is no, you were your sins were forgiven right there, inshallah, because of these angels. In addition to your own istighfar that you did. Yeah, the angels, if they're doing istighfar for somebody like this, then you can be pretty sure that person is leaving, inshallah, with a clean slate. And so one will ask, why why would uh, Imam Hussein, like, what, this doesn't even make sense. Why do angels come down to help um, 
how does that even work? Is this something that we have? Is this something that's recurring? And the answer is, we don't know exactly how it works that when, when angels come to help, but we do have this idea in the Quran. So it's not something that is we are tro- total strangers to. The Quran speaks about how Allah sometimes sends His angels to aid the Prophet on the battlefield. So for example, we have um, Surah Al-Imran verses 123 to 125 where the Quran talks about other incidents where angels came to the aid of the righteous. It says, Certainly Allah helped you at Badr, the battle of Badr, when you were abased in the enemy's eyes. Like in the eyes of the enemy, you guys, you didn't have what it takes. You were going to be destroyed. That's what they thought. So be wary of Allah so that you may give thanks. When you were saying to the faithful, is it not, so the Quran is saying, O Prophet, you were telling the people this, that is it not enough for you that your Lord should aid you with 3,000 angels sent down? Yes, if you are steadfast and God-weary, and should they come at you suddenly, your Lord will aid you with 5,000 marked angels. Okay, so... That is a high number. Another thing that is asked sometimes that we might not necessarily have an answer to is why is there a need for 5,000 angels? If angels are immaterial beings and they have so much power over the material realm of existence, why would there be a need for 5,000 angels to defeat the army of the Mushrikeen? Um, And there are some answers to this. I personally would say that uh, maybe Allah is just using this number just to uh, reassure the mu'mineen that, look, you're going to win no matter what. Or else even one angel might have been enough, you know. But once again, these are things that we don't have measuring sticks for, brothers and sisters. When we compare the material to the immaterial, it gets a little complicated and inaccurate, as a matter of fact. So how that's going to work, we're not 100% sure. But the Qur'an does speak about this idea of angels coming down. So no one should say, oh, you know, a hadith is saying 4,000 angels came down. To aid Imam Hussein, oh, like, what is this all about? Does this even happen? Is it even necessary? Things like that. Well, no, the Quran speaks about these things happening. Or in the Battle of Hunayn, for example, it says that Allah has certainly, this is in the Quran again, Allah has certainly helped you in many situations. And on the day of Hunayn, when your great number impressed you, but it did not avail you in any way. So they, you know, they were pretty confident, the Muslimin, that we're high in number. The Battle of Hunayn is one of those last battles, right? And so they were high in number, yet all of a sudden the tables turned. And the earth became narrow for you in spite of its expanse. Meaning that no matter how expanded, no matter how vast the the earth is, in that situation and in those circumstances that you were in, in the Battle of Hunayn, all of a sudden you felt like, whoa, whoa, the, the earth is so tight on us. Although the earth is vast, but in that moment you feel like it's suffocating you. Whereupon you turned your backs to flee. Then Allah sent down His composure upon His Apostle and upon the faithful. And He sent down hosts you did not see. And He punished the faithless. And that is the requital of the faithless. Surah Tawbah, verses 25 to 26. Alright, so the Hadith was telling us that these 4,000 angels, they came to help. They were denied um, permission and so they went back and then by the time they came back Imam Hussein had been killed so then the question will be well let's just say these angels were given permission how does that work 
Is it that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will always send angels to always save the day? Doesn't that go against free will and so on and so forth? Brothers and sisters, we have to say that um, this is this goes against the rule. The rule is Allah will not intervene in matters of the dunya. Only on very, very, very select uh, in, in, in very select cases, Allah will intervene, probably through angels, like in the Battle of Badr or in the Battle of Hunayn, for example. Okay, and I've heard personally, like scholars, they've explained how you know these types of interventions will take place when the entire religion is on the line, and if the, if a divine intervention doesn't take place, everything is lost. If there's no other way, so for example, in the Battle of Badr. If Allah doesn't intervene and the Muslims are defeated, what's going to happen? And the Prophet is uh, is martyred. What's going to happen? Well, Islam is gone for good. There is no way around it. So Allah will send angels to take care of the job. In the story of Ashabul Fil, you might be able to explain that the same way. Allah divinely intervened. Very small cases you'll have. Very few, excuse me, cases you will have where stuff like this happens, or else. For example, when tyrants like Hajjaj bin Yusuf or others like they attack the Kaaba and the Kaaba is set ablaze or destroyed even, did Allah intervene? No, He didn't intervene. Why? Because all of Islam is not in danger. It's not like, okay, if the Kaaba um, is damaged, that Islam is going to be lost forever. That's not the case. So it seems that Allah didn't intervene for that reason because there's still hope. In the story of Imam Hussain if Imam Hussein is martyred the way he is, it doesn't mean Islam is going to be lost. As a matter of fact, the Shia believe that Islam was saved through this massacre. And so Allah allows it to happen. The angels are not given permission to intervene and so on and so forth. In other words, if there is a way out without divine intervention, that, that is what will happen. And so Imam Hussein lived up to the responsibility he had. He lived up to the prophecy of the Holy Prophet and as a result we believe that Islam was saved through that sacrifice of his. When something like this happens, then there's no need for angels. As a matter of fact, if the angels come and they intervene and they destroy the army, well then you are, you're going, you're, you're forcing things onto the people. If Allah was to punish people right when they sin, punish people every moment when they make a mistake, then everyone would be good. It would defeat the purpose of our creation. Uh, we have been created to go through tests, to have the opportunity to choose between right and wrong, and to exercise our free will in that regard. Yes, and then on the day of judgment to be punished or rewarded. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to intervene in every single case, even if it means Imam Hussein getting killed, then it defeats the purpose of the creation of the people, both the good ones and the bad ones. The good ones, or excuse me, the bad ones, they don't get the opportunity to choose between good and bad. Right when they choose bad, they're destroyed. Okay, well then, <laughs> you didn't give them the opportunity. Some of them might have changed. I don't know. Um, maybe they would they would choose the, they would choose more bad in the future. Like just by destroying them right away. You defeated the purpose of their creation. And the good will not be tested by the doings of the bad individuals. So what I'm trying to get at, brothers and sisters, is that this divine intervention seldom will happen. The survival of Islam depends on 
Aba Abdullah al Hussein going through Ashura. Not that the survival of Islam depends on the angels helping him. Okay, so having said all of that, I want to share maybe a couple more hadiths with you on this matter of how this was a tragedy for the inhabitants of the heavens, the angels, and so on. There's a hadith by Safwan bin Jamal. He says, Me and Imam as Sadiq we were on the way to on our way to Mecca through Medina or from Medina, and I said, O son of the Messenger of Allah, why is it that I see you upset and broken? So apparently the Imam, you know, the way he was, you could tell that he's upset about something. Something's breaking his heart. He replied, if you were hearing what I hear, you would have been distracted from asking me. So I asked, what is it that you hear? He said, the complaint of the angels to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the Almighty, over the killers of Amirul Mu'mineen and the killers of Al Hussein alayhim as-salam, and the cry of the jinn and angels surrounding him, and the severity of their wailing. So there are jinn, there are angels that are surrounding Imam Hussein alayhi salam years after he's been murdered, and they are wailing. In this case, Imam Sadiq continues, how can one enjoy food or drink or sleep? So of course. The ma'rifah of Imam al-Sadiq, the ilm of Imam al-Sadiq, that knowledge of his is so great that for him, it affects him like that. This doesn't mean that you and I necessarily need to scold ourselves because we still have an appetite. After all these years that we've heard the masaib and tragedy of Imam Hussein alayhi salam, it doesn't mean that necessarily. But of course, our ma'rifah is nowhere close to the ma'rifah of the imams. The imams though, they see things differently. They are affected because of that great ma'rifah that they enjoy. Another hadith, which I really like, it says that uh, Kathir bin Shihab al-Harithi, he says we were sitting with Amir al-Mu'mineen alayhi salam in Rahba. And uh, Imam al-Husayn alayhi salam, of course, as a probably a child or youth, um, entered. Well, my guess is that he wasn't a child anymore actually because this is way later, after the Holy Prophet It says here that Imam Ali smiled to the point that his teeth showed and said, Allah has mentioned a people and said about them, فَمَا بَكَتْ عَلَيْهِمُ السَّمَاءُ وَالْأَرْضُ وَمَا كَانُوا مُنْذَرِينَ Surah Dukhan verse 29 That the sky and earth didn't weep over them and they were not given respite. So let me explain this before I go on with the hadith. There's a verse in the Quran is speaking about it's in the context of the story of Fir'aun and how Fir'aun was destroyed um, by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Fir'aun and the Fir'aunites. And so when it says that they were destroyed, it ends with this. It says, فَمَا بَكَتْ عَلَيْهِمُ السَّمَاءُ وَالْأَرْضِ That the, the sky and the earth did not weep over them. So it's as if, now there might be different opinions on this verse, but one opinion I, from what I remember is that yes, when a righteous individual dies and passes away, that the sky and the earth weep over that individual. So here it's saying when Fir'aun died, no one cried for them. <laughs> neither neither the earth nor the sky cried over Fir'aun, which means that he was a horrible person and he's going to get what he deserves. So now going back to the hadith, it says that Imam Ali, when he saw Imam Hussein salam enter, he said that the Qur'an speaks of a people. 
that the sky and earth did not weep over when they died. And then he continued, he said, I swear by the one who split the seed and created mankind, this son of mine will indeed be killed and the sky and earth will verily weep over him. وَجَلَّتْ وَعَظُمَتْ مُصِيبَتُكَ فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ عَلَى جَمِيعِ أَهْلِ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ وَالسَّلَامُ عَلَيْكُمْ وَرَحْمَةُ اللَّهِ وَبَرَكَاتُهُ وَعَلَى أَصْحَابِ الْحُسَنِ